today on an all-new Dr. Phil. We are afraid our son is a kleptomaniac. He steals from neighbors. This is where I found the $1,700 cash. This kid shoplifts three, four times a week. Is he a bad boy? He defaced a roof. He spray-painted his dad's car. Or a good kid. When I steal something, it's an adrenaline rush. With a really bad habit. This is really nice pen. You got a pen? Yeah. Where'd you get this? Let's do it. Have a good show, everybody. Here we go. This is a safe place to talk about hard things. Stand by, Dr. Phil. I'll try to be an emotional compass and point you in the right direction. In five, four. I am not giving up on you. Go, Dr. Phil. at all of this. CDs, credit cards, candy watches, money, sunglasses, cell phones, an eclectic mix of stuff. These are examples of just some of the items Mark and Nancy say their 18-year-old son, Chris, steals on a regular basis. They say Chris takes stuff like this from neighbors, stores, fellow students, and his own family. At home, he just jimmies the locks on bedroom doors and breaks in. Chris admits he's been stealing since he was nine years old. He says he feels sneaky and just has to snatch something. Now, each night, Dad Mark locks up his keys, wallet, and change in a small safe. Does no good. Now these parents have a question for me. They want to know... Is our son a kleptomaniac? Chris has been stealing compulsively for the last 10 to 12 years. We are afraid our son is a kleptomaniac. Why do you steal like this? Because I feel like I can get away with it. This behavior is destroying his life. Chris steals pretty much two or three times a week. The stealing began when Chris was about eight years old. We went into a retail store and he stole a small back scratcher. Chris has even stolen from me cash, credit cards, gift cards, and then gotten on the computer and ordered things. He has stolen from stores at least 25 times he's been caught. We found this demagnetizer under Chris's bed. It's used to get CDs out of their cases. Chris has never been formally arrested for stealing, but he's been taken into custody numerous times. Chris never admits that he has stolen anything unless he is caught red-handed. We've been told by many stores that they do not prosecute anyone under the age of 18. The problem is they tell us this right in front of Chris. That gives Chris the message that he can continue this behavior and there's no repercussions. He has stolen video games, DVDs, Blu-ray discs, pocket watches, sunglasses, wallets, cell phones. Chris has stolen at least $12,000, $13,000 from different stores. He steals from neighbors. He steals from people from school. He's stolen a dirt bike from a neighborhood kid. He stole a Kindle tablet from a classmate. Chris went into my husband's closet and stole $1,700 in cash. I wanted to beat the hell out of him, but I knew that wouldn't be the right thing to do. Nothing is safe with Chris around. This is a safe that Christopher broke into. He pried it. He tried to get a screwdriver in underneath it. I believe he has a hammer and he had a drill. It was damaged to the point where it's unrecoverable. We are desperate for help for our son. My biggest fear is that he'll end up in prison. Chris needs a huge wake-up call. Okay. 
this kid shoplifts three, four times a week. Yeah. yeah, he takes things from people and he just thinks that he's entitled to it. He thinks that, oh, what, what did I do wrong? And, and yeah, I just, he doesn't get it. Just, okay, but do you actually believe that he doesn't make the connection when he says, what did I do wrong? Do you think we're dealing here with somebody that doesn't connect? What's wrong is, I don't own this. Someone else does. I took it. That's not right. Yes, we... we do you think he really doesn't connect that up? We don't know. I mean, we turn, try to turn things around. Like if he has a, a cell phone or if he has a, play, a game, a handheld game, how would you like it if you sat that down and when you came back to pick it up, it wasn't there and somebody took it? How would you feel about that? I don't know. But he, you've taken him by the ear back to the store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We always hold him accountable for what you've he's done. You've taken him back and made him confess. Right. And they've chewed him out. Right. Scared then, the bejeebers out of him. Right. And then they back that up with, but we can't prosecute because you're under 18. Uh -huh. So then we bring him home and we say, okay, you know, you've lost privileges <laughs> for this, this, or this, you know, because of what you did. And we just impose our, <clears throat> our own consequences at home. And we hope that he's going to get it. But every kid at doesn't. some point takes something that isn't theirs. Right. 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 I mean, every kid. If, when you were a child, if you, if you took something that wasn't yours, either from another kid or at school or somewhere, raise your hand. Four, five, six. You are such a liar. You, raise your hand. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, everybody. Some, most people at some point, they'll pick up something that wasn't theirs. But we're talking about a lot here. Right. Uh, he has stolen, according to you guys, numerous CDs from department stores, mm -hmm. movies, DVDs. He's used your credit card to make purchases yes. on like iTunes, mm -hmm. uh, Amazon, airsoft guns mm -hmm. and the pellets that go with them, large amounts of candy, five pound bag of sour gummy worms and yes. bulk food, mm -hmm. souvenirs from hotel gift shop, pin knives, Pocket watches, sunglasses. I mean, it just goes on and right, on right. and on. You've taken him to 40 or 50 psychologists, psychiatrists, physicians. He's been evaluated. He's been given tests. Yep. And you say yeah. all they've done is tell you PDD-NOS, mm -hmm. pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, right. and ADHD. Right. right. You said that's all you're getting out right, of it. Right. That's, well, that's all actually we... a lot, by the way. Right. You, you talk about that like, no, they didn't tell us anything. No, they told you a lot when they tell you that. Right. The question is just, what do you do with it? Exactly. There's no plan on how to help him have better self-regulation and impulsivity control. He has no guilt when he steals. Not in the moment, no. He defaced a roof. You were fixing this roof up because you were getting the house ready to sell for a family member. You were going to have him put some sealant on the roof. And instead, he put a 10-foot by 11-foot Superman insignia on the roof. Yeah, just, he thought it would be funny, and he thought Four it would be... Four grand to fix this. Four grand to fix... Right. Couldn't erase it, so we had to put a new roof on. New yeah. Sing, new shingles, right. right. Yeah. And his reason was he thought it would be neat for planes to fly by and see that. Yeah. I always love to know what you folks at home were thinking. If you had repeatedly caught a close family member stealing from you, do you believe that you could forgive and trust them in the future? Use hashtag Dr. Phil yes or hashtag Dr. Phil no. I'll have the results a little bit later in the show because this does affect a lot more people than you might think. That's yeah. why, you know, I keep asking, how do we help him? And this is your last resort, control? right? Yes. I mean, you could, why is it you come here as your last resort? 
That's a good question. Oh, well, Dr. Phil, we've been everywhere, so we finally came come here. On, I on, mean, we talked to everybody we could think of. <laughs> you're the only one left, so we came here last. We figured, oh, it's a, it's a shot in the dark. You know, you probably get so many letters, and you know, the chances. Probably nil. Surprise. That's right. <laughs> Here you are. All right, next. Nancy and Mark's 18-year-old son, Chris, admits to doing whatever it takes to steal, even prying open locks with a knife and a screwdriver. And why? He says he gets a rush. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Kleptomaniacs, and there's not a lot known about this, but they almost always report a high degree of guilt and remorse after they steal. This young man says he gets a high. So what are we talking about? We're going to meet him after the break. This is how I break into my sister's room. I use a knife in order to do it. I like pry it open. Then I'll probably find something interesting. So then I'll try to take it. And later, you got a, you got a pen? Yeah. You took two of them. Where's the other one? It's in, it's in there. Where? Actually, no, it's not in there. It's in my pocket. Tomorrow on an all-new Dr. Phil. My prince charming turned into a nightmare. She would call me egghead and conehead. They've remarried once. Ask her if she's ever been wrong in an argument in the last 12 years. Don't tell me what to ask her. I'm asking you. Are they ready to tie the knot? You are sick. No, you are. Really? Really? I feel like I'm in a junior high lunchroom. A third time? I love him. I love her. I think I just threw up in my mouth. That's tomorrow. Chris has also had an issue with vandalism. Chris threw a cinder block at the neighbor's house when it was vacant. He just wanted to see what was in there. He has spray painted his dad's car, he scratched the back of my car, and he scratched the vice principal's car. He caused $1,600 worth of damage to the vice principal's car that we had to pay for. Nancy and Mark say their 18-year-old son, Chris, has been a thief and liar for most of his life. Now, Chris, on the other hand, says stealing is a rush. And when he gets away with it, it feels like a personal accomplishment. Let's listen to him describe it himself. I think I steal because I get the rush out of it. And whatever I see, I try to take it if it looks interesting to me. If I go into the store and there's cameras on the ceiling, I go to a place in the store where I know the cameras aren't pointing. When I get away with it, I feel like that is a success. This stuff is actually what I've taken from stores. Knife sharpeners, fire starter kits, headphones, portable chargers, pocket watches, knives, big flashlights. I honestly have no idea how much stuff I've stolen. I probably steal four to five times a week. I'll look for money in my mom's purse, my dad's wallet, my sister's room, wherever I can find it. I mostly steal because I don't have the materials I need or I want or my parents have taken away. I have broken into my sister's room and stolen her things. I do get a rush on trying to steal stuff. Well, Chris is pretty proud of his five-finger discount ability, so he allowed our cameras to follow him as he showed us a typical day in his life, and most importantly, listen to his thought process as he kind of parses out his day. This is what a typical day looks like for me. I wake up around noon, maybe about two hours later, I go around the house looking for stuff to take. 
This is how I break into my sister's room. I use a knife in order to do it. I like pry it open. Slide it in between here and then push it so the little nub is there and then like kick it open. This is how I will look for stuff, just sneaking around. Then I'll probably find something interesting, so then I'll try to take it. This is where I found my Kindle before. When my parents aren't home and I'm all alone, I'll try to go into their room to see what's in there. This is where I found the $1,700 cash. It was in a little metal safe in the top corner of his closet, underneath some clothes. This safe has a fingerprint scanner, combination code, a key lock. I didn't worry about that because I used a Phillips head screwdriver and a hammer in the drill and banged the screwdriver into here and then pried it open. Then I go outside and go around the neighborhood and look for things that I can take. Usually when I go out, I just go around the neighborhood for like an average walk, but then I see somebody else's garage open and I see something interesting in there. I'm just like, ooh, what's in there? I've probably stolen from neighbors about three or four times. There's a house over there that I actually took a little red motor scooter from. There's a lot of stores I've stolen from. I typically shoplift two or three times a week. I wouldn't feel remorse if I took like a video game or something because I know there's like millions of copies of those. When I steal something and get away with it, I feel like it's an adrenaline rush. When I'm in the store and I see someone that I want to steal, I am confident that I can get away with taking it. It gets my blood pumping. Okay, Chris, good to meet you. Good to meet you too. When you wake up in the morning and your eyes open, do you feel an, an uneasiness, an impulse, an itch? What, when is the first time during the day that you know, I'm stealing something today? I'm either left alone or I have nothing else to do in the house, like if the TV's locked up or just left alone. Okay, you're alone, so what do you say to yourself? What's the first thing you say to yourself? I think like, what kinds of stuff do I not have? Like, I don't have a Kindle, I don't have an Xbox, but sometimes when, like, my, when the TV is unlocked, I usually just sit there and watch TV, but then I still have those impulses. So, if there's nothing available at home, is that when you go foraging? You go out, like, to a store or something? Yeah, I usually go to the store, like, if I'm hungry, like, I wanna get candy or something, then I'll go to the store and just get it. Okay. Do you have money? No. If you had money, would you buy it instead of steal it? I mean, I probably would, but I also want to save up for stuff too. So you might have money and say, well, I want to save this for something else, so I'll steal this and save my money? Yeah. When you walk through the door of the store, do you know you're going to steal when you walk through the door? It's, it's premeditated. You know when you go in there, you're going to do it. Yeah, when I go into the store, I know that I don't have any money on me because I left it all at home in my little bank. And I go in there to see what else I can, like, what I can get. Do you look around for, like, store detectives or clerks or whatever and position You like cameras? Them? Yeah. And you, you look, you find the cameras? And then okay. I try to find a blind spot for it. You try to find what? I try to find a blind spot for it. A blind spot? But these people aren't dumb, so they know high-target items like video games. They're going to have a camera on a video game area, right? But I'll take the video game and go into a different section of the store. Okay, so you'll carry it like you're going to head to checkout, but then you'll go into a blind spot and, and stuff it. it. Out. Yeah. We asked you why you steal, and you, you said several things. You said, one, because you can, and you said you don't feel sorry. In fact, 
you're happy if, if you think, I got away with it. So you said stealing is a rush. So when you walk out that door and you realize, I got away with it. Is it a feeling of excitement inside? Do you get butterflies in your stomach? It's like excitement and, yeah, just excitement and just the rush, yeah. But what else in your life gives you the rush you get? Probably just playing video games. Because, like, I got, like, I won the game, like, yes. All right, Nancy and Mark's 21-year-old daughter, Meredith, says she is sick of locking up her room to keep Chris from stealing her things, and she resents having to babysit her teenage brother. And what she means is somebody has to watch him because, as he said, if I'm alone, I'm making plans. And so somebody has to watch him. Now, Meredith has plenty to say, and we're going to hear from her after the break. Chris steals many things from me. I have to lock my room with a key to keep my brother out. I keep most of my valuables completely outside of the house. I do not trust my brother. Did you get married when you were broke, but now you're successful? Or are you already financially secure and getting ready to tie the knot with someone who is not? Are you worried about what will happen to your money if your marriage fails? If you've asked your partner to sign a prenuptial or postnuptial agreement and you didn't get the reaction you hoped for, or you want to ask but you're afraid to, email me at drphil.com. Chris Stevens steals from his sister. He steals cash from her room, he steals cell phones from her room, he'll just look around and he'll steal. He even stole $100 cash from his sister's bedroom that she had just earned from her wisdom teeth being removed. With like no remorse, he just steals from anybody. Well, Nancy and Mark say they have run out of options to get their 18-year-old son, Chris, to stop stealing. Now, Chris's older sister, Meredith, says she even has to lock her bedroom door just to keep Chris out, and she resents that she's had to put her life on hold to babysit her brother in order to keep him on track. Everything that happens at home revolves around Chris's actions and behavior. I do not trust my brother. I don't know many people that would trust my brother. He'll stab you in the back every time that you try to let him earn your trust. It's frustrating that you're 18 years old and you can't even be left alone. I still have to babysit you like you're 10. Chris steals many things from me, at least three to four times a week. He's stolen phones, iPads, computers. I have to lock my room with a key to keep my brother out. He will pry it open with a screwdriver or whatever he can find. He won't tell us how he does it. Because of the situation with my brother, I feel as though I have more guards up inside my own home than when I'm outside of it. I keep most of my valuables completely outside of the house instead of in my own home. It makes me angry that he steals my things. I work three jobs, so I work hard for any money that I make, and sometimes he just tries to swipe it from out under your nose. We're all losing hope. Okay, Meredith, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And you, you don't trust your brother, do you? Yeah. If she doesn't watch you and you're left alone, you will victimize her, right? So if she has something you want, you're going to go in and get it. Yes. Everybody in his class and everybody that are his peers have their cell phones out all the time or have their tablets, and he's the only one that never really has anything, so it isolates him. So when he takes these things and he wants an Xbox or he wants to get online, it's more of, 
you know, I want to connect with people and make it so that the only people I talk to aren't just my psychiatrist and my family who are always mad at me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. your, your theory is interesting, but it, it may be, it's, it's kind of like what's called an ad hoc theory. It, it makes sense after the fact, but it's not predictive because if you look, um, he was stealing a back scratcher when he was eight. So you're telling me he was at school and all of his friends had back scratchers. So he said, I, you know, I just got to have me a back scratcher. I, uh, I, I just got, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like part of the gang without my back scratcher. I, I, I get your theory, but it, it just doesn't hold water. And then at 10, he started hitting local businesses. At 12, uh, He's spraying WD-40 on the neighbor's classic car. He's spray-painted Superman on the logo on the roof. This is why I'm saying these are disparate behaviors that are not all stealing. They're impulse behaviors, which are suggesting to me that he's not predicting the consequences of his actions very well, which your brain's not through growing till you're 25, and the last part of your brain that grows is the neocortex which are the executive functions, and that's where you have foresight. You predict the consequences of your action. But at 13, he's caught stealing a five-pound bag of gummy worms. Now, you put these in your pocket, right? Yes, yes a I have. A five-pound <laughs> bag of gummy worms in your pocket. I had cargo um, camo pants. There was a lot of side pocket. No. Yeah. You know, see, part of the problem here is you're not very good at this. <laughs> and, and I know you're probably thinking that, oh, you have no idea because you've been caught like 25 times shoplifting and you think, oh, you have no idea. That's like a 20% failure rate. Still, that's not very good. If I was a pilot and crashed 20% of the time, I would get a different job. <laughs> You're not a very good thief. Then at 14, as he gets older, his tastes mature. He goes from gummy worms to jewelry and phones and things like that. Then this airsoft thing, which looks very real, as you point out, uh, then he gets mad, scratches up the vice principal's car, stole $1,700, uh, threw a concrete block at a house, um, attempted to steal headphones and a wool hat from a department store, cell phone. I mean, it just goes on and on. So there's something going on here more than, than just stealing. And just trying to fit in, although I'm sure that's part of it. You got a pen? Yeah. You got another pen? No. Chris admits to being a little sticky with the fingers, so we left him alone in one of our green rooms to see what would happen. Closed captioning provided by... The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. 
Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. You, you were nine the first time you remember stealing, or is that just the first time you got caught? That's the first time I remember stealing. Okay. Um, have you got a pen? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get this? From the uh, hotel. You stole this from the hotel? You got another pen? No. Chris admits to being a little sticky with the fingers. So we left him alone in one of our green rooms to see what would happen. Oh. Holy this is a really nice pen. That's so cool with this pen. That's awesome. The fact that this one screws in looks like a laser pointer. Didn't come from the hotel now, did it? No, it didn't. You got the laser pointer looking one? No, that's the one I'm talking about. This is the laser pointer looking one? You, you took two of them. Where's the other one? It's in, it's in there. Where? Actually, no, it's not in there. It's in my pocket. Huh? It's in my pocket. Let me see it. Yeah. Um, My point is that um, when, when I say that he doesn't feel remorse, here's a little footage of him after he stole it while I was talking to you. Very, very different from what you typically hear from a kleptomaniac. While we were talking, he's just back there enjoying... The pen. The... Now, this goes back to my point that you're just not very good at this. Um, you say you spot cameras and blind spots and all that? I missed that one, didn't you? I didn't think those were wrong. I'm sorry? I didn't think those were wrong. You didn't think those were rolling? Yeah. You're not very good at this. <laughs> Which means that you're kind of like the pilot that keeps crashing. We need to think of a new thing for you to do. Like, get a job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> buy your own pen. Um, <laughs> and I think that I do understand a bit of what's going on here. Um, what did you think when you watched that tape? It did not, well, it did surprise me that he, that he would do that, but it's his way. It's, it's more of the same. Yeah. Yeah. He just does that. I mean, if he's unattended, he looks for stuff. Because you mm. thought, well, there you have there it. There he is. There right, you caught red Welcome to my world, right? Exactly. There you have it. Exactly. Mm. Um, 
Well, as you've heard, Chris has not only stolen from his family and stores and me, I got my stuff back. <laughs> um, but also neighbors. One neighbor, Sue, says she actually moved just to get away from Chris. Uh, we'll talk to Sue when we come back. Tomorrow on an all-new Dr. Phil. They married each other twice. I love it. I loved her. It's the third time a charm. You are sick. No, you are. I'm pretty sure it's you. I feel like I'm in a junior high lunchroom. That's tomorrow. Closed captioning provided by... One day, Chris went to the local grocery store and decided to steal gummy worms. He got a 10-pound bag of gummy worms and put them in his side pocket of his cargo pants and tried to sneak out of the store. So security called him. And they realized that he had a gun in his coat pocket. It was an airsoft gun. They said that he could have been seriously injured. It was just a pellet gun, but it certainly did look real. He almost got shot for stealing a 10-pound bag of gummy worms. Wow. Sue lived next door to them for six years, but Sue says she finally felt like she had to move because of Chris's behavior. I lived next door to Mark and Nancy for six years. I've always been close to the family, and we've been friends for about 15 years. Living next door to Chris was very chaotic. He was very impulsive. Chris would often take things from my children and from our house. I felt like I had to lock things up. One day, I told Nancy that Chris had been stealing from us, and I could tell she was really upset over it. Chris would often go into different neighbors' garages and take whatever he wanted. I genuinely think Chris is a good kid. He just has some impulsivity, some deep other-rooted issues that I really think need to be addressed. One of the biggest factors of us deciding to move was Chris's stealing. I would say it's the biggest factor. I didn't want to tell Nancy that because I didn't want to hurt her. They've been through enough already. Well, Sue is joining us via Polycom. Sue, thank you so much for joining us. Were you a, a victim of Chris? Did he steal things from you? Um, he's taken things from my children um, before, but I do know of other neighbors where he went into their garage, into a garage and stole um, like a, a skateboard from one of uh, our other neighbors. Did you guys kind of know to watch for Chris or what was, what was the thought? The neighbors would always talk and want to keep an eye on um, what he was doing and things like that. And if anything ever happened in the neighborhood, he would always be blamed, whether it was him or not. It's so good to hear uh, from a neighbor. And, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to know your neighbors so you can be on alert and know what's happening in your backyard. And everybody always says, you know, I say, you need to know your neighbor. Says, oh, there's an app for that. Uh, you know, there actually is a free app out there. It, it's a great new app called nextdoor.com. And just because of this, because of the need for communication and to rule out miscommunication, 
Uh, I actually asked the co-founder and CEO of Nextdoor.com, Nerov Tolia, uh, to come to the show today and talk about it. Uh, Nerov, thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate it. Um, this app, uh, Nextdoor, is all about exactly what we're talking about here, this and anything else. We need to know our neighbors, but everybody's too busy, right? Right. There are so many ways that our neighbors can help us. There's just no easy way to reach out and get to know them and ask for their help. And in a world where technology is making it so easy for us to communicate with people across the globe, there needs to be some way for us to get to know the people right outside our front doors. Yeah, and I saw a stat that a, like a third of us do not, cannot name one neighbor. We've lost touch with our neighbors. But we can change that. We can use technologies like Nextdoor to bring back a sense of community to the neighborhood. You can use it for things like getting a babysitter, you know, look for a missing pet if they've gone missing, there's a rash of break-ins, whatever. And you can download the Nextdoor app for free at iPhone or Android at nextdoor.com. This would have been a perfect situation where he didn't get blamed for everything going on in the neighborhood, but yet they did know if if he was doing something, so it gets controlled. I mean, so I, I think it would be great. So here's the question. Does Chris want to change, or is he dead set on continuing his life of lying and stealing? Uh, I have a proposition here and something I want to say about Meredith uh, as well. We'll be right back. Have you ever needed to borrow a ladder, find someone to mow your lawn, or learn when local road repairs will wrap up? There are so many ways our neighbors can help us. When neighbors start talking, everyone benefits. To get a Nextdoor website for your neighborhood, go to nextdoor.com new. We can't do this show without you, our studio audience. If you are going to be in the Los Angeles area and you would like free tickets, go to drphil.com and click on Be in the Audience. Because we have a lot of fun here, don't we? Or you can call 323-461-PHIL. That's 323-461-7445. Nothing is safe with Chris around. We have to lock down everything so he doesn't get himself into trouble. We have everything of value locked in a safe as soon as we walk in the house at night. Our reputation in the neighborhood is horrible because of Chris's stealing. Over the past nine years, Chris says he can't even remember how much he's taken from family, friends, neighbors, businesses, uh, and even a church. Chris says he wants to change, but he also says after stealing something, he doesn't feel remorse. He's just happy if he gets away with it. Um, and I thought it was particularly interesting um, that Chris says that he gets a rush mm -hmm. from this, and it's one of the few times that he gets that rush. Right. And that rush can be addictive. And so he keeps going back for that adrenaline rush, for that neurological rush. So if you understand someone's currency, then you can begin to understand their behavior. You, you follow what I'm saying? Right. Now, what and about consequences? What? He, what about consequences? Well, that, He's had lots of consequences. Shouldn't that 
Well, Hold it, those behaviors that, at bay? That depends on how you define consequences. There are consequences to you, mm-hmm. but are they to him? I mean, does it really matter? It's like, you know, some children you put in a timeout, they love being alone. Mm. <laughs> You're going in timeout. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> you know, you can't, you have to define currency based on the individual. The individual. And, and that's the problem. People don't do that. You have to understand their motivation mm-hmm. and what makes them tick in order to understand how to modify their behavior. And you say he needs a wake-up call. You're right, but at a very different level. And first off, you need to turn her loose. It should be evident to you that she can't fix this. She's not the Chris cop. She can't watch him enough. She can't police him enough. What you're going to do is disrupt her life to no avail because it's going to have no lasting impact on him whatsoever. Loved your theory. (laughs) But it's a back scratcher and his friends didn't have those. Loved your theory. But listen, I'm giving you your walking papers. This is way above your pay grade. You guys, what you're going to do is disrupt two children's lives by coupling her to him. Not her job, and she couldn't fix it if it was. Right. I asked my Twitter fans the following question. If you had repeatedly caught a close family member stealing from you, do you believe you could forgive and trust them in the future? I'm going to have the poll results when we come back. Closed captioning provided by... Ready to get real? Go to DrPhil.com for advice on relationships, parenting, finances, and more. Plus, weigh in on your favorite episodes, share your stories, and find support in the Dr. Phil community. When you sign up for the community, you will automatically be subscribed to the Dr. Phil Show newsletter. Log on to DrPhil.com today. See this gentleman right here? This is Dr. Frank Lawless. Hello. He's chairman of the Dr. Phil Show Advisory Board. He's co-founder of the Lawless PV PMP Center uh, in Dallas, Texas. Frank is, um, he and I have been associated for over 40 years. He is a double diplomate in psychology, which is the highest uh, designation you can have in the field of psychology. He and I have been working extensively on this case, and we've scrubbed all of the medical records of Chris. We've been over this. Frank, what do you think is going on here? I think that uh, he does have a delayed brain pattern, which makes it very difficult for him to uh, comprehend the consequences and uh, create uh, uh, better opportunities to reinforce himself. He's very, very immature. What we often see in many uh, kids that have impulsive type of disorder is that their front brain is going too fast and their back brain is going too slow. Frank's team is a multidisciplinary team and they'll look at this a lot of different ways and I think there's also, um, Frank said there's, there are some maturity levels here mm-hmm. that are lacking because I think there are 
some social sensitivities and some gaps here uh, that because of his isolation that he, he has just fallen behind. And for that reason, I've asked Miles Adcox to come. Uh, he's sitting right next to Dr. Lawless. Uh, he is the owner and CEO of OnSite, which is a worldwide leader in intensive workshops and treatment specializing in emotional trauma and, and mental health issues. And uh, we consider Miles and OnSite a, a trusted source for anyone that's struggling with self-worth, self-esteem, uh, and mental health issues. And clearly, uh, we're dealing with that here. Miles, I think he deserves to put himself in the shop for a while. What do you think? Absolutely, Chris. And, and we've worked with PNP before, and these guys are amazing. So I think if they can balance out your brain, and then I will help you steal something. We're going to steal your self-worth back. <laughs> if this was my son, this is exactly where I would take him, exactly what I would do. And this is our gift to y'all if you would like to pursue this. <laughs> So, Dad, what do you think? Absolutely, I'm one. I love, I love to take advantage of this. Chris, what do you think? Fair enough. Okay. Earlier in the show, I asked my Twitter fans this poll question: If you had repeatedly caught a close family member stealing from you, do you believe that you could forgive and trust them in the future? Here's what you had to say. 82% said no, 18% uh, said yes. Now that may seem terribly judgmental, but the truth is you don't give people the benefit of the doubt. You let them earn your trust by creating a new history that predicts a new future. So you do it based on data. So I agree with that. Uh, I'd like to thank all of my guests today and a special thanks to Dr. Frank Lawless Miles Adcox, owner and CEO of OnSite, and Nirov Tolia, CEO of Nextdoor.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.